Good morning. Happy Father's Day. You know, our kids aged three to grade three, you can go to the boulevard. You're released to the kids zone. We have activities for you and uh, we also have our nursery open. If you have need of nursery, go through our, our gym and uh, we'll look after your little ones there. So corny dad jokes. They were indeed my dad's specialty. Growing up, I uh, listened to many corny dad jokes. And as a little guy, they were funny. We laughed. As a teenager, not so funny. We groaned. And uh, we groan even to this day. My dad is 80, and he still tells corny dad jokes. In fact, we had a visit last weekend, and uh, there, there it was. So uh, my dad is great that way. He's also a very hilarious cartoonist. My dad can take a pen to paper and just draw something and he would make us kids laugh with his drawings. I never got any of that talent. It skipped a generation. It went to my son, Ben. And so Ben can do the same thing. Take a pen and make a funny drawing, make us laugh. Uh, very good cartoonist. It's interesting to me what character traits and what things pass from generation to generation. Now, many of you are aware that Julie and I are going to be following the next generation uh, out to Nova Scotia. And so in 10 days, we are moving. Um, and it's been a hard decision, of course, because we love you. You know, we love Brockville. We love the ministry here. Uh, Julie loves her job at BGH. Uh, we've loved the ministry. I love the team here and working with Pastor Jason. That's kind of the biggest sorrow that we have is that I don't get to continue on with him. But when those grandsons say, I love you, Opa, there's just no, ah, you know, getting, getting past that. And so when we got the news that Tim and Jenna were going to go out east, uh, we just prayed to the Lord and said, would you give us permission to follow the grandsons out there? And uh, as we prayed, the Lord gave me Psalm 78 verse 4, which says this. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. And when I came across that, I thought, okay, I'm going to take that as permission that God is releasing us uh, to go so that I can have a personal influence in my grandson's lives. And here we are on Father's Day. And Father's Day is that one day of a year that we set apart to remember and honor our dads. And for many of us, it's a joyous occasion because we have fond memories or we have a reasonably healthy relationship with our dad. I think of um, old movies, for instance. Uh, when my dad was a young father, jet black hair and four kids under the age of five. And I remember this one movie where um, he's playing horsey. So he's on all fours and each of us get an opportunity to climb onto his back and he takes us for a little ride around the living room. It was a, a delight and joy to the four little ones. Now for some of you, this is a hard day because this is the first Father's Day you're without your dad. I'm very aware of the number of congregants we have who are without a dad the first year uh, or a husband or a brother. Um, and know this, you are being prayed for. We are thinking about you, and so we pray strength 
to you, comfort to you. For some of you, it's been several years and just the pain is still present. We're praying for you. For um, others of you, it's, uh, it's painful because of an abusive dad or a neglectful father or an absent dad. Know this, you are being prayed for as well. Strength, healing to you in Jesus' name. And our nation has experienced grief at the hands of fathers, as well as mothers and teachers and government officials with the discovery of a mass burial site of 215 children. And so what we're going to do is invite you to bring healing through our Father's Day initiative to bless another charitable organization called the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society. And so what you can do is nominate your dad with any financial gift in honor of Father's Day. And C-Road is going to match each of those gifts up to $10. So just mark your donation with the name of the dad that you nominate. Uh, much like what we did on Mother's Day with the tap effect, bringing uh, clean drinking water to Cambodia. We can be touchstones of hope for reconciliation and healing, for offering the right definition of fatherhood and leadership to our nation. Our Heavenly Father, God himself, offers hope. And his promise is this, that all of us can experience the fatherhood of God, the good and perfect one who loves all of his children without distinction. He is faithful and true. And one author writes this, There is none like him. His paternal care is not just a replacement or a compensation for those who haven't known an earthly father's love. No, he is the truest father of all, and every one of us is in need of his love. And so I want us to look at a number of scriptures that teach us about the fatherhood of God. And the first thing we're going to look at is this. Number one, God is by very nature a father. He has a father's heart. It's the very nature of who God is. And Jesus, the son, describes him in this way in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said this, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God, who cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God is by nature a 
good father. And Jesus knew that, and he taught his followers that truth. God cares for our needs. God's caring its part of his DNA. I want to share a story with you about my Bible college days. So we're going back over 30 years. It was my first year of Bible college. Now, what you need to know about my wife, Julie, and I is we've always been the self-sufficient kind of people. You know, we worked hard, we saved our money, we did well for ourselves. And we, uh, you know, owned our first home, paying a mortgage on it, and had our two young children, and I was called into Bible college. So being the type of people we were, I was thinking, well, I will attend this year. You know, I will take the year to save money and be financially responsible, etc., etc. That was just in my makeup, and I'll begin this year. But the opportunity arose to start the year earlier, and uh, I felt the Lord was, was really compelling us to start then. He was teaching us what it would be to walk in faith and to move from being self-sufficient to being God-sufficient. And so we exercised some faith and did that. And of course, six months into the semester, the rest of my tuition is due. And we don't have money for it. And I'm thinking, what kind of mess is this? And I'm being stressed and worried and not at all being a person of faith. And we're trying to work this stuff through. And as we're praying about it, we get a knock on our front door. And through the glass, I can see it's my neighbor, Reg. And my reaction was, oh no, what's he want now? You know, what's he doing here? Let me tell you about Reg. Reg had been known as the town drunk. He um, had been homeless for quite some time. Life had given him all kinds of adversity. He was quite beat up, broken down, and uh, an alcoholic. And then Jesus got hold of him. And he surrendered his life to God, and he got clean and sober, and uh, was a faithful uh, man of God. And he came into a little bit of money. An aunt of his had died, and there was enough money for him to buy a humble house. And so he bought the house next door to us. We had a shared driveway, and so I interacted with Reg often. Um, there were still some rough edges, and it was kind of hard to engage with him sometimes. Um, and so thus my reaction when he came to the door, and I'm thinking, what's he doing here? Anyhow, being the developing Christian and Bible college student that I was, I uh, invited him in, and he reached into his jacket, pulled out an envelope and says, I think Jesus wants to give this to you. He wants me to give this to you. I open it up. It's a check with enough to cover my tuition with about $10 to spare. And so God had provided and what God was doing was taking this self-sufficient Roger and Julie and making us God-sufficient by using another vessel, a humble man from a background we wouldn't identify with to, to bless us and care for us. And Reg became that godly man who wore a suit jacket to church every Sunday, and the pockets were filled with Werther's Originals. And so he had a ministry to the kids. He had a daddy's heart. A wonderful man. We have pictures of our little ones on his lap. 
God cares for us. That's number one. God is by nature a father. And number two is this. God is the model father. And here is where so many people get it wrong. What they do is they attribute their own human father's traits, his characteristics, his personality, even his faults and shortcomings onto the Heavenly Father. And that's not what we are to do. One pastor, he wrote this. People say, you talk about God being a father? You should have met my dad. He was a user. He was a tyrant. He was a molester. Don't talk to me about fathers. If God is a father, then I don't want to know him. But listen, God is not just like a father. He is father. He is the father. And God is the model of fatherhood upon which all other fathers pale. If you want to know what a true father is, don't look at your earthly father either as good or as bad as he was, but rather look to the original. God, who is faithful and true and just and righteous and kind and merciful and compassionate, affectionate, slow to anger, loving every virtue, that's him. Jesus also said this. Don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. Now, I remember reading that as a teenager, and I had been brought up in the Roman Catholic Church. And so I also attend a Roman Catholic school. And now I'm having to struggle with this thought that I read in the scriptures of not calling anyone father. Was I now not supposed to call the priests by their title, father so-and-so? Um, in high school, so I went to Catholic high school, my French teacher was Father Haynes. I could not imagine changing that to Mr. Haynes, or by his first name, Reginald, Reggie. You know, I had two Regges in my life, my French teacher and my neighbor. Or what about my dad, my father? Do I move from calling him father and dad to, hey, Hank? Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't have gone over too, too well in my house. Well, one theologian, he says this about it. Jesus was speaking here in an ultimate sense. In the same passage, he says not to call any man teacher, for Christ is our teacher. But we know that in other parts of Scripture, it is clear that if we cannot receive earthly teachers given by God, that that's actually a sign of immaturity. What Jesus is saying is we are not to look at any man as our ultimate instructor. That place belongs to Jesus Christ. Because men make mistakes, they will fail us, and all teachers are to be evaluated alongside our great teacher. And what they say must be compared with what he said. If they conform to his example, well then they are valid. And where they do not, they are to be rejected. And Jesus says that the same goes for fathers. Call no man father in an ultimate sense. We are not to impugn God's character. That means we're not to diss God's character by judging him according to the standards of our earthly fathers. He is the standard by which we judge fatherhood. The most godly father on earth is but a shadow 
of God's perfection. So I was very grateful for this theologian's insight. So God is number one, by nature a father, and number two, the model father. And that takes me to number three. God is made our father when we invite Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. That gets me excited. That is really good news. The creator of the universe can be your father. After Jesus was resurrected, he encountered Mary at the tomb. And John's gospel records it this way, chapter 20, verse 17. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus calls his followers brothers and sisters. Followers of Jesus are adopted into his family, and we reap the benefits of having a perfect father. That is good news. That is exciting. In fact, other documents declare this. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father said. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because now we are his children, God has, spent, has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. That is good news. The Spirit of Jesus is sent into us so that we can proclaim Abba, Father, that we get to declare Daddy to the Creator of the universe. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. This is the best news ever. My goodness. God, the creator of the universe, is our dad? That is, still freaks me out. You know, God is our father. Jesus is our brother. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Heirs to the throne of heaven. 
I am a king's kid. I've said it before. And knowing our Heavenly Father as our own, it does something to your identity. Oh my goodness, I am a child of the King of the universe. And declaring Happy Father's Day to God is almost like Him declaring Happy Children's Day to us, His sons and daughters, because we identify with the family that we have been adopted into. Any grief or any joy that you experience in declaring Happy Father's Day to your earthly father, it shrinks in comparison to the joy we experience in God. You know, I actually delight in wishing my father Happy Father's Day. I like, I can't wait to make the call today where I say to Dad, Happy Father's Day. Because in these moments, I get to identify how his personality has influenced me, how it has affected me. And I am grateful for all the positive qualities that I've inherited. Now, imagine being a child of the King, a child of the Creator of the universe. And thank God that his qualities rub off on his sons and daughters. That is some good news. That gets into my hips. I said it in the first service. Someone laughed very deeply and said I needed to repeat it. So there we go. It's not in my notes. <laughs> We get to run to the Father to claim our true identity as His children, to fall into His grace, and to enjoy the good and pure, righteous love of a good and pure and righteous Father. I have asked the worship team to teach this new song called Run to the Father. And one of the authors of this song, Matt Marr, he says this, When my kids get hurt, they just run to my wife and I. They don't stop or hesitate, they just run. And that's a profound revelation of what it means to have a heart open to God, to be able to run to Him when we're hurting. And the other author, Cody Carnes, he says this, this song is really just about any moment that you need to run to the Father. So many times we want to run away from God. But the reality is that God has open arms. He's a loving Father. He's kind. He's a healer. He's a surgeon. He's a friend. And I want to share one final scripture. When God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah, declaring this profound truth. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God knows every single solitary one of us. He formed us before we were in our mother's womb. He knew us. God is profoundly interested in you knowing the real him. He's the original. Do not compare him to your earthly father as good or as bad 
as he was, but rather look to the original.